<laughs> All right, here we go. First Thessalonians chapter 4, starting with verse 1, says this. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. And that's the key verse in this entire text. This is the will of God, your sanctification. That you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger. Yeah? Marvel fans? No, okay. And all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not, go- God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to, lo- to love one another, for that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your work. Thank you for um, having people out there that make it very plain to understand. Lord, forgive us who complicate it with words. (laughs) And so, Lord, I pray that you uncomplicate text and make it plain for us this morning what we want, what we're supposed to walk away with, the thing that's supposed to inspire us to go deeper, the thing that's supposed to, uh, actually what the text says, to crave more and more, to want more and more, to do more and more. So, Lord, uh, I pray that it's your words, not mine. Thank you for uh, this time, this teaching time, this time together. Um, We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. My goal this morning is to actually have this be the shortest message I've ever preached, which means it will probably be the what? Longest. But um, I'm going to give you three things. And I'm going to thank a guy that has written multiple commentaries. I had this super complicated idea of what to do this morning. And yesterday I read Warren Wearsby. You've heard Warren Wearsby. You've heard the name, right? He just simplifies scripture into like for us morons who try to make it so hard. And he, he gave this section of, of that the will of God is for you to be sanctified, for your sanctification. In the Christian and Missionary Alliance, uh, that's our words. We stole that word. We kept it. It's ours. Nobody else likes to use it. We do. We, we use it like our currency. It's the thing that keeps us going. Sanctification. And so we have what's the four, called the fourfold gospel, right? Christ is Savior. Christ is Sanctifier. Christ is Healer. And Christ is Coming King. Sanctification just means becoming holy. There's a lot of stuff that uh, we could add to it and be, uh, be theological about it or may, uh, like reinforce our doctrine, our belief. But at, a, at its core, the simplest way to say it is sanctification is to become holy, to be more like Jesus. And that's, that's the will of God, to your sanctification. The will of God is for you to be more like Jesus. Well, if, let's go back to the beginning of this text. It, um, 
right at the beginning, it says, finally then, brothers, verse 1, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that you receive from us how you ought to walk to please God. This is how you ought to walk to please God. If you're going to live your life, you need to please God. And then Paul goes into the list of things that he's trying to address specifically for this group of people living at this time in this place. And as we read it, we can go, wow, that applies to us too. And the Spirit of God will begin to like kind of shape. But the, the key here is that what Paul is saying to the church in Thessalonica, 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 is that they're supposed to be coming more and more and more like Jesus. So I just want to write that, more like Jesus. Okay, so this is not, I'm telling you, there isn't a string that I'm intentionally attaching over here to when I arrived to this moment right now. It's just the Spirit of God attaching these springs on, strings on his own, right? So our board gets together. We start talking about vision and mission, and we've, we've launched out in vision and mission and, and given the church, here's what we value. Here's what our mission and vision are. This is Casper Alliance Church is a church that's fighting forward together, right? That's who we are, fighting forward together through our hope in Jesus Christ, meaning we have this community that we're fighting together. We value relationships here. But one of the key core values that we have here is we expect more from Jesus. And it's not just we expect Jesus to do more in us, but we expect more. This idea of more like Jesus is part of our value system. We want to become more like Jesus. We fully believe that as we dive into Scripture, as we dive into community, as we dive into life together, worshiping uh, and, and living, that He is shaping and changing and transforming us so that we become more like Jesus. That's sanctification. The more like Jesus you become, the less like the world you are. You can exist within the, the world. You can exist in this space. But if you're becoming more like Jesus, the rest of the world doesn't exist within part of your life. So the rest of the world being things like what? Sin. Urges. Paul uses this word in that text. Urges. The urges of the flesh. You're not drawn into that. Because you're living a life that looks more and more like Jesus. Last week we talked, and the week before we talked about how Satan, the adversary, the devil, the, the accuser is trying to hinder, stop, block, uh, hurt, destroy us, or even impede our progress of becoming more like Jesus. He did that to Jesus. We talked about the temptation last week. I'm going to impede you becoming you, is what he was doing. I'm going to stop the Son of God from being the Son of God by tempting him. And Paul is reminding them that you ought to walk and in a way that pleases God. That's what we're doing here. We're walking in a way that pleases God. What's our purpose? Why do we exist? Why do we live? Why do we wake up and do the things that we do? Today, something happened in our house that I don't know how long it's been since it happened. My wife tapped me on the shoulder and said, don't you want to be leaving at 7 o'clock? She woke me up. That does not happen in our house. I am always up and out. Gone. What does that have to do with this, right? I don't know. But I was, I was kind of like in dreamland 
with just enjoying whatever. I, I know what I was dreaming about. It was really ridiculous. It was about how we're, it's so dumb, how we're going to put couches in a particular living room. I was like, oh, and then we, we went and bought these, like, massive couches that didn't fit, and they didn't fit through the door. It was like this nightmare, and Adrian and I were fighting. And Because we've had that experience in our life. We bought these washers and dryers that didn't fit in, into the door that we bought them for, so we had to cut out part of the wall to put a washer and dryer out in there, right? So when we sold the house in Michigan, the washer and dryer stayed because you couldn't get them out because we rebuilt the wall around it. But I'm having this dream about, like, buying these massive couches to put in this house that just don't fit. And we're like, it doesn't fit, but I'm enjoying because I'm resting, right? <laughs> and there's things that I went to bed last night wanting and craving the things of this world. Last night I went to bed in a way that was different than I'd usually do on Saturday nights. I, went, I was watching a movie and I wasn't thinking about the message. And I was just kind of thinking about our real life, right? Not church life, but real life. You know how we do that? Like there's church life over here, and then there's, you know, my real job. Well, I get the luxury of blending those two because my real life and my real job are in the same place. <laughs> and my church life and my real, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. My church life and my real job are in the same place. But I went to bed differently. And I think that that's why I just kept sleeping. Because I had no spiritual thought in my mind. <laughs> now, is that, the, is that the enemy distracting me? I don't know. But I say anything that distracts you from the Lord can be the enemy pushing you. To where my brain was so frazzled this morning when I woke up. Just so incredibly, like, bonkers, like, all over the place. Like, just turned upside down to where I just kept sleeping. And Adrienne's like, don't you want to leave? And I'm like, whoa, and I shot out of bed, and, and Caleb and I were gone from the house in like nine minutes. But I never shower in the morning, so don't worry about that. And Caleb gets upstairs, and he says, that's the fastest shower I've ever taken in my life, because he takes like 60-minute showers, which is really weird. But I came to the church frazzled and distracted and not thinking about things. And as I, and I had my notes, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. This, all, this, is, like, this is the notes of a madman. And I'm looking at him, and I can't get my brain. And so I'm, I'm taking you on this journey with me. I know, I understand. I can't get my brain around it to where it makes sense. And I'm like, I need something to crystallize it to help me. And I had the notes here, but it's like it, nothing was taking. And I just came empty-brained because it was about everything else other than this. And I, so to be more like Jesus means I have, to, I have to walk in a way to where I crave him day after day. And I want more and more and more and more of him. And, there's, and I can't take time off. I don't want to take time off. We don't want to take time off. So what does Warren Wearsby say? I'm just taking his words. He says, you've got to walk in holiness. Walk in holiness. When you travel, when you do things, you have to walk in a way to where you are thinking spiritually. Walking in holiness is a hard thing to even kind of comprehend. It's hard to put your brain around and go, how am I going to walk in holiness today? But walking in holiness means that you are walking in the Spirit of God. That you have the Spirit of God on your heart, on your mind, on your words, on your life. You are walking in a way to where you are a transformed person. You're not lazily trying to figure out and hoping that your wife wakes you up at 
You're, you're, you are intentionally walking in a way that the Spirit of God is influencing your activity, your words, your thoughts, your life. You're not just hoping that you arrive. And that's what Paul is urging them, walk in a way that you please God. My, the will of God is your sanctification so that you are more like Jesus. You, in order to do that, you have to walk in holiness. You have to walk in holiness. And he gives all these, 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 these things that I was going to write up here, but I decided not to, that you shouldn't participate in. And it's one very specific thing. Because the day and the age was it was normal. This lifestyle was normal. The way in which the Macedonians, the Thessalonican church lived was very, very normal. It looked like the culture. They weren't that different. So the behaviors of the 21st century, think of those. Think about what the world, the world does and how the world acts. Think about all those different things. Right? Here's one of the, here's one of the ways in which, and I'm going to use 21st century things, not Paul's words from here, but here's, what, here's one of our addictions. Rage. We're addicted to rage. We're outraged by everything. Everything makes us mad. We have a right to feel the way we feel about anything. We're addicted to rage. The more we rage, the less we are like holy people. The more we get outraged, and I know that this is a controversial topic, rage here. No, no, we say things like, you can stay out of our state, we'll take our guns, and you, we, we will we'll secede, and I dare you to fight us. Invade Wyoming, because we'll win, right? We kind of think that, well, this is, that's rage-based. Whether you like it or not, you have rage. You have rage towards everyone else. You have rage towards antelope. That was a joke. You can kill all the antelope you want. I... My son now has rage towards groundhogs, or whatever you call them here, prairie dogs. He just wants to kill prairie dogs. And plus, once, he, once some of the boys took him out here, the men took him out to kill a prairie dog, and then they said it's filled with the plague, he's like, they all need to die. So now my son wants to kill every prairie dog on the planet. <laughs> But we have rage. What else are we addicted to of the day? We're addicted to money. We're motivated by how we work and how we live and what we can have. It becomes part of our life cycle. The more we do this, the more it separates us and we don't get to walk in holiness. We're not becoming more and more like Jesus. Give me one more. You guys can just tell me. What else are we, in the 21st century? Whoa! I didn't say it. I heard tech. These are all things that, they're not, yes, information. There we go. Rugged individualism is actually one of the things that we are here in Wyoming. Can I spell individualism? Adrian, did I spell that right? All right, that's individualism. But here, look at this. You can see positives, except for rage. Righteous indignation, right? Jesus kicking over some tables in the temple. You can see some of the good things that come from this. But if it, and you, you know, I mean, this church shows you what this will do to a church growth, right? I mean, we almost doubled our size in church this year because of babies. 
tech, there's lots of tools here that we use. I mean, this is a good thing, right? My, my grandpa died in 1976. Medical technology would mean he would be alive today if it, the same thing would have happened right now, right? So technology, my wife works for a tech company that does amazing, they can make deaf people hear. I mean, that's crazy stuff. Information gives us tools, gives us opportunity, gives us pieces of like, knowledge that helps us make good decisions. When all of this is out of whack, and, and I'm going to stop here because this message is actually going to continue to next week. We're not going to go on. We're going to work through these 12 verses for two or three weeks. We might not get to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 because these are really important. When all of this stuff is out of whack, right, when, when this stuff is out of whack, what happens is we, be stop, we stop walking in a way that looks more and more like Jesus, and it does look more and more like the world. And I said a few weeks ago, we're going to be weird here at this church, right? Here, this church, Casper Alliance Church, what do we still do? We do Sunday school. Churches don't do Sunday school anymore. We do. We had a prayer meeting on Wednesday night. What? Whoa. The point is, being more and more like Jesus is kind of countercultural. The will of God is your sanctification. The will of God is your sanctification, to be more and more like Jesus. And I, and I had all this, and I'm, I'm going to go back to my story. I had all these ways in which I wanted to talk about it and talk about sanctification and do this doctrinal thing, and, and it just became all convoluted and messy in my mind. And maybe, maybe God in this way was like going, no, Jason, just trust the text and say the thing and be, be simple. And I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but I just was so distracted from the text that it gave me this perfect illustration that I was not interested in even talking about this because I know that more and more like Jesus was not part of my, my night. I was watching a Kevin Costner movie last night. It's true. I was raging because I'm tired of playing really good teams and Nebraska lost again, and they got mollywhopped. And here's the thing. I was reading about the story about that kid who is raising money for the Cancer Sneed Center in Iowa, right? And there is all kinds of rage from my old Iowa friends about what's going on with that situation. Just rage and outrage, and we're going to ban, blah, blah, blah. And it's like it's, I'm going, my heart just continues to do this, right? Yesterday, we like, we're looking at houses. We were house hunting, right? We're craving a house. And I started, and I just drifted into this, like, normal world that we all live in, right? We have to have these, we have to have these disruptions and, and this 21st century life that's not abnormal. It's not bizarre. It's not even different for us. But the more and more we look like that, the further and further we get to be like Jesus. And I'm not I'm saying let's be weird, but like it, we have to check ourselves a lot. Are we craving too much of any of these things? Now, young couples in here, you guys can keep having babies because we like that. Church growth is good. But more and more like Jesus, that's the will of God, your sanctification. To be more and more like Jesus. Actually, without even trying, that's one of our core values here. To expect more. To expect more. More out of us, more like Jesus, more from God as he starts to do things in our life. We're going to continue to work through this text for the next couple of weeks. Let me pray.